Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guests are Jim Hewling and Sarah Tendler. Jim is the number one global best-selling author of the four disciplines of execution, executive and personal coach, both with Franklin Covey and founder of Choose Your Life. Sarah is the co-founder and CEO of Choose Your Life. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. What a great privilege to be here. We're so excited to be your guest today. Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation. So can we start with you both sharing your journey with us and also like, how did you become a best-selling author and why did you establish Choose Your Life? Sarah, if it's all right with you, I'll go first. And I know you'll join in because it's a journey that we've shared together, Amy, over quite a long period of time now. In my own career, I had a long period of being a CIO of some multi-billion dollar global corporations. I ended up being CEO of a really great company, technology company for a while. And then I went to Franklin Covey. And a little bit of that story is part of one of the things we're most excited to talk about today is our new program called Find Your Fire. And I'll tell you how that connects in a moment. But maybe for the beginning, it would be really helpful to say, I was one of those people who had a great job who had a great income, who had a certain degree of prestige associated by being a CEO of a well-known company. In fact, a company named four times in a row as one of the 25 best places to work in America, a really good place. But the part of the story that most people can connect to, Amy, is that after a while in that job, I realized that it was not fulfilling me anymore. And so I was in a place that I think a lot of your listeners will resonate with. I no longer was really passionate about the job I had, but I didn't really know what I'd like to have instead. I didn't have clarity about where to go next. You know, what a tough spot. You're not happy with where you are, but you don't exactly know where you want to go. It's a little bit like being stuck in between two phases of your life. And I had to find my way out of that. I had to really figure out what did I want? What, where was I happy? What, would, what was I fulfilled when I was doing? If I was going to start again a new chapter, I might as well try to make it the best chapter of my life. And so the things that I did, which I hope we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about today, those actual steps, they actually became the genesis for my partnership with my partner and daughter, Sarah Tendler, who will tell you a little bit about her journey in a moment. And she and I together realized that we'd been through the same thing. And we had both found our way out of that dilemma. And together, we actually had some really tangible steps that would help other people to do the same thing, to find work that they loved and to feel like the things they did most of the day had a sense of purpose to them, that they were, they were making a difference and were happy with what they were doing. So we'll put our journeys together, but I, I did use that same process to go to work with one of the finest company I've ever known in my life, honestly, Franklin Covey. And I was there 14 years as the global managing consultant. But while there, I had a chance to write two best-selling books, number one worldwide best-selling books, two versions, the first and second edition of the Four Disciplines of Execution which is basically a methodology for achieving extraordinary results 
even in challenging times. It's been, a, it's been implemented by 300,000 organizations around the world, and the book itself has been translated into 16 languages. So that was a wonderful chapter of my life. And I'll finish just by saying, what a great journey, how things do seem to come together at different points of your life. My whole leadership chapter, combined with spending 14 years teaching leaders all over the world about execution, but also then applying everything I had learned to this dilemma of, how do I find the job I was really meant to have? How do I find the purpose and the work that I was really meant to do? Sarah and I together, we think, have brought all of that together into 10 simple steps. We'll chat with you about a little bit later. But Sarah, let me make some room for your story as well there. Yeah, absolutely. So as you have found out, Jim is my father, and we for a long time had dreamed of possibly working together. Didn't know how that would come to fruition or what the potential timeline might look like. But then we found ourselves in 2020 at the height of the pandemic when everything was a little bit upside down. And as many people were, we were also reevaluating the next chapter of our lives and what we wanted that to look like. So we really decided to take that opportunity and use all of these exercises that not only we had done ourselves, but that we had put into implementation with so many coaching clients over the years and really seen what kind of impact these exercises could have for them. So we turned to each other and said, maybe we should make this a thing. And out of that, <laughs> fire was born really at a wonderful time. We hear so much about the great resignation now. So many people reflecting back on, on their last professional chapter and saying, is this what I really want? Is this what I want the next X amount of years to look like? Am I being intentional with what I feel is my purpose? And does my work have meaning every day? So people that are feeling a little bit lost or feeling, okay, I know that, it, that this is not the role for me. I have no idea what I want to do next or how to get there. We've taken all of the knowledge and experience that we've had and tried to package it in a small bite, very manageable 10-step process, but that is a very impactful process as well. So in walking through your journey so far, what are you grateful for? Sarah, I'll go first if you don't mind, because I can say three things without any question. Number one, I'm really grateful for my family and the people I love in my life. I've been married 40 years to the love of my life and have two great kids, Sarah, who's on the screen, and my son, Scott, and three grandkids. So that, they would be number one on my list. And, and number two, of course, always for good health and you know, living in, in an abundant time. But the last thing is on my list, and number three, Sarah, I'll be interested to see hear your three as well, is to have found the work I was meant to do. Amy, I, I don't, I know you agree with this because you're a person who is on purpose. You found what you love to do and you found what you're great at doing, honestly. A lot of people aren't in that place. And so they trade their hours for some dollars. And while that's honorable, it's an honorable thing to make money and support yourself and the people that you're taking care of. There's no question about that. It's really the lowest bar. <laughs> and if you've lived a different way, you feel like it's a little bit tragic too. Why would you settle for that? Why wouldn't you dig in and find the thing that maybe just lights you up, the thing that you do better than anybody else that you were really born to do and build a life around doing work that you love? So third on my gratitude list is the wonderful gift of having felt that I was on purpose for whole decades of my life, being able to think I was doing something that matters. And I say this without it, I hope it doesn't sound rehearsed. It's sincere that what I'm excited about now is the ability to give that gift to lots of other people to have that same feeling. So those are my three. Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, of course, would echo your first two for sure. 
I'm married as well. And also to be able to have such a close relationship with my, both my mom and dad, we live about 15 minutes away from each other, but to get to have real quality time often is so important to me. And it's something I'm grateful for every day. Also good health. We are both exercise enthusiasts and love any kind of exercise, lots of different things. And also feel like that's a, an integral part of my happiness and well-being as an overall person. Third, I would say something that has been a new chapter for me as we've started this company is more work on my terms. So for a long time, I was a cog in a machine or I was at an organization that was happy to give me extra responsibilities, didn't necessarily appreciate my strengths or anything that I brought to the table. But now work on my terms, what that means to me is the flexibility to be able to go to lunch with my mom on a Monday, if that's what I want to do, and also work with authenticity. So to be able to deliver our message and have an impact and really help people to find that same rewarding chapter in their lives. So how do you help people find what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. Something that we talk about a lot with this program is that it's an inside out program. So lots of different programs that we see out there and that people sign up for these days are outside in. I'm going to sign up for something. I'm going to read the material and it's going to give me solutions to what I'm trying to learn. For us, it's the opposite. All of the answers we feel are already inside you. So what we're going to do is dive deep in there and help you bring those answers out of yourself. We can't tell you, hey, here's what you're supposed to be doing. Here's what your purpose is. Here's where you're going to feel the most fulfilled. But all of those clues are in you already. So it's really just about being able to uncover them and bring them to life and then put them into a detailed action plan so that you can actually do something with all of that information you've learned. Amy, if you don't mind, I'll add on to that. I really love that answer because it seems to me that almost everybody approaches this subject from exactly the wrong direction. We want to give you 27 steps for how you do something, how you can figure out what you want, or take a course on finding your best career path, or even use your astrology or your birth sign to be able to know what it is, right? And Sarah and I, after working with a lot of people one-on-one coaching, that's really the main thing the two of us do, we figured out that almost everybody already knows those answers. They're already, as Sarah said, they're inside you. So the interesting thing, we had a client this morning call us the bushwhackers on the trail to purpose, which we've never heard anything like that before, but I think that's really pretty good. In other words, our client this morning was saying, what you've done is you've blazed a trail for me. You've helped me blaze my own trail to find what I'm really supposed to be doing and where I'm going to be the happiest and the most successful. And honestly, we boil it all down. I think that's what we're so excited about partnering in this chapter of our lives. I like that, especially because there's so much creativity around really what you can create for yourself to do. I love the strength finders, the BP 10 and your personality tests. And that those are kind of data that I was able to grab in finding my purpose, but I, um, created my own thing and it wasn't on the list, like doing being a marketer. And they said, stay away from sales for my personality and be a marketer was not on the list either, but I figured out that I could do all the things that I loved and that I was good at by creating my own agency. And I wouldn't have had that insight if I had thought, oh, I have to follow just what the data says. So like you said, it's inside of you. You just have to ask yourself the right questions. A follow-up note on that. I think that one of the silver linings of all of the pandemic craziness 
is that people did start to think outside of the box a little bit. I think, especially with our generation, it's not necessarily a, you graduate college, you get a job, you climb the corporate ladder, and then you retire kind of path for everybody anymore. So that allows us the space to be more creative and to say, okay, I want to incorporate this part of myself, or I want to tap into this strength that I have in a different way that's not necessarily an inside the box one role inside a large corporation kind of plan anymore. So there's a true path for everybody. It's just about finding it. Yeah. And did Jim, did you want to add to that? Amy, as you always do, you're so skillful as a host, you've touched on the very thing that lights us up the most. So I'm worried that Sarah and I could probably talk all day about this subject. We want to get to lots of things with your guidance today, but I'll I'll put a wrapper around that by saying, you know, you, you clearly are great at this thing you're doing. You clearly are. You've created a place for yourself. You've created a brand. You're known everywhere. And, and so wouldn't it have been a tragedy if you took some test that said, this is not the thing you should be doing? Wouldn't it have been awful? And the reason you might have gone down the wrong path if you trusted that test would be that you weren't trusting your inside, your heart, your soul that might have been speaking to you. Sarah and I were joking this morning with the same client we're talking about, and we said, it's like you have that voice inside you, but it talks like this. It says, here's what you should be doing. And if if the world is too loud or you're too busy or you're just not listening, you miss it. You go left when you should have gone. And think of how, think of what would have been lost had you not created the platform to inform and educate and inspire people the way you're doing it now. Wouldn't it be awful if you were sitting in an office designing a marketing program for some product that you might or might not believe in, as opposed to doing exactly what you love? Well, that's what lights us up. We have now enough clients that have followed this process that we can be We're still humble, but we're really confident that you go through these 10 steps, they're manageable steps, and you come out at the end saying, you know what, I know exactly what I should be doing, and now I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go get that job or create that business or make a space for myself to have the career and the life that I want. I love that. So what are your 10 micro steps to end up where you are fulfilled? Our way that we like to think about this, we find that if we try to explain every one of the 10 steps, people get a little overwhelmed or tune out maybe somewhere along the way. But we found a great way to explain this process is in three phases. So in phase one, we're going to get really clear about where you are today. We feel that in order to move forward, you have to know where your starting point is. So we want to get total clarity on where you are right now. Phase two, we're going to take a really deep dive into your talents, your values, what you stand for, the type of work environment that you would thrive in, all the pieces of the puzzle that would create the most ideal next professional chapter for you. And then phase three is when we put it into action. So we love all of the information that you get out of phase one and phase two, but what are we going to do with that information now? So now it's time to put it into play and really come up with a, a detailed action plan that everybody can follow that's going to help them not feel quite as anxious about taking that next step. We know sometimes it can be a little bit scary to step out in that kind of way. But by this point in the process, you've got all the information, you're making the right choice, and we're going to give you that little bit of a nudge to go ahead and jump on in the water. What are the five questions to nail the answer and the ask? (laughs) <laughs> I love this. I did. You're a good student, Amy, because you've been through our material in order to be able to ask that question. I'm so glad you did. 
And it turns out it's something we do at the end of our program. It really ends up being one of the things that people find most valuable. So let me give you a quick context and then we'll chat about the question ourselves. But the context of where your question is at the end of our process, you know exactly what you want, but we realize if you don't interview well, even though you know it, you may not get it. You still have to clear that last hurdle of having an interaction. If you're going to work for a company, or even if you're going to start a business and you've got to convince investors to support you, you've got to be able to articulate these things. So we have a full step that is about getting someone ready to create an unforgettable interview. What most people do when they approach an interview is their whole mission is to get an offer. Now, if you think about it from the other side, if a person in a company is interviewing you, their whole mission is to figure out whether you're the right person or not. But on the candidate side, all we usually settle for is how do I get an offer? Yeah. And then, and that's really, honestly, sometimes that's all the depth there is. Or even some of our coaching clients have said to us, the people I met were very nice. It was a short commute. If you're still commuting, it's a short commute and they have really good benefits. So I took the job. And when Sarah and I hear that as coaches, we just want to pull our hair out. Like, seriously, you made one of the five biggest decisions in your life based on the commute? Really? And I'm teasing a little bit. Not everybody does that. And many people go deeper. But the opening premise we give everybody is you are interviewing the company just as much as the company is interviewing you. So in our program, we teach people the five questions they can be expected to have to be asked and how to nail that answer. And then Amy, this is the part I think you'll love. We Then we flip it over and we say, here are the five questions you must get an answer to. So that when the interviewer has finished and you have five minutes left, you know how they do. And then they say, hey, do you have any questions for me? The person who's really intent about finding the right job will say, yeah, and I'm gonna need about a half an hour. I've got five good questions I need to get answered. If you see how different that feels, but that also is part of creating the impression on the interviewer that you are a person of purpose, that you know what you want. And it also makes an indelible imprint that if they've got what you're looking for, you're going to be a spectacular performer. So it makes everything about the interview process is literally turned upside down. And and I don't know if I've left uh, enough time to really tell you uh, all of them, but let's take one because it's one that all of your listeners, Amy, will roll their eyes on. You come into the interview and you've read all the books about interviewing and you've got your best outfit. Maybe you're on Zoom, whatever you're doing, but in the interview and, and you're just ready, you're ready to go. And the interviewer says, hey, Amy, tell me a little bit about yourself. And there is something in that question that induces hypnosis. The people we work with, Amy, they just, they literally freeze. It's like somebody coming up behind you saying, put your hands in the air or something. Yeah. They just freeze. Even if they've got a 20-year track record, they're like, oh my gosh, where do I start? And the two mistakes people make, they either can't think of anything to say or they go all the way back to middle school and they retrace their whole history for you, which takes about the whole time you had to interview. Yes. So we teach people how to tell the story of their life in the, in the form of what we like to call an arc. We teach everybody about the, the skill of answering questions in a sense where you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and where the encapsulation of your 10 years or 15 years of experience makes an indelible impression on the person who's interviewing you. So that's just one of the five questions we get you ready to answer in our program. 
Yeah, and just to tag on to that a little bit too, part of the beauty of all of the work that you've done in this program up to that point, that then you have all of this information about what's really important to you that you can bring to the table, not only to answer those questions, but also to ask those questions of that company, asking about what the real values are in their mission statement and how do those values play out on a day-to-day basis. Because as we say, you're going, if those are not in alignment with your true values, you're going to be asking those same questions 90 days from now, but you've gotten the job and you've just gone to all of this effort and taken all of this energy to interview and to start with at a new place. So be able to ask those right up front and to have a real clear understanding of exactly what's important to you and to be able to then objectively see what's important to the company and make a decision on how well those two things are aligned is incredibly valuable to anybody that's interviewing. That's great. So what are the best performer traits? I love this one. So I'll, I'll take the first shot at this. And you, Sarah has real expertise on this and she's credentialed by Cornell and some other places to understand the psychology. She has degrees in psychology, most of which I think was an attempt to understand her dad really in, in some way, Amy, but I'm, I want her to really give the kind of insight that she has, but I'll start just a little bit that first of all, there is no one set of character traits. And lots of people love to tell you that there are. Lots of people love to say, listen, you got to check these five boxes if you want to be successful. There's an old expression that says, if you expect a fish to climb a tree, it's going to fail most of the time. But put the fish in water and watch what it does. And even though that's an old metaphor, Amy, it's still a good way of talking about people matching the job they want to the talents they have. And so one of the things we teach everybody is, first of all, what are your talents? What are your strengths? We use some of the programs that you mentioned as you were opening today. And then when you look at a potential role, what are the requirements of that role and how do they match? And if if you have five strengths and five requirements, but you only match on two of them, I want to tell you, no matter how great the compensation is or jokingly how short the commute is, you're going to fight uphill all the time because the job asks for things that you aren't naturally gifted at. So how much better to know right up front the four biggest talents I have, three of them are the core requirements for this job. So I'm not recovering from a deficit. I'm actually starting from an advantage that I can then maximize or leverage as I go through my career. And you talked about the Strengths Finder assessment. We're big fans of the Strengths Finder as well. So just to put a note on that also, it's not only about what five strengths you have, but what order they are and at what order they are in that time in your life, because those strengths can rotate. It might be that this strength is the most important thing for you to utilize at this point in your life. And two or three years down the road, your priorities have shifted a little bit. And now that's number three or four on the list. It's still one of the strengths and talents that you bring to the table, but it may not be the one that you want to tap into for the majority of your responsibilities every day. So just to keep in mind that your purpose doesn't have to be just one thing that's held on throughout your lifetime. It might be, but it also might shift and change as you go through life and as your priorities shift and the more information and knowledge that you gain, those priorities could shift some too. Your book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, it's it's a bestseller. Can you share a little bit about that book and why you think it's so valuable? Sure. Gosh, thank you. What a wonderful question. And for all my life, Amy, I'll be honored to answer questions about the four disciplines. So one, it's really important to say that I wrote the four disciplines of execution in partnership with Chris McChesney and Sean Covey at the Franklin Covey organization. And that really the book we wrote was born out of 
consulting work we had been doing for years and years before we ever sat down to write a book. So due credit goes to all the people and all the parts of the great Franklin Covey Company who were part of that journey. Having said that, I think if Chris and Sean were here with me, we would all three say exactly the same thing. We realized that in our minds, one of the single greatest needs of every leader everywhere is to produce results. And the practical reality, Amy, and I would think you this applies in your business as well as all businesses. If you can't produce the results, you probably don't get to be the leader for very long. <laughs> right. And I, I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry when I say that sometimes, but it is, that's the harsh reality that we live in. And for the three of us, pondering what could we write about that would be of the greatest help to the greatest number of people, how to produce results in a world that is filled with competing priorities was one of the best gifts we thought we could give everybody. And so we spent a long time, and you heard me say earlier, 300,000 implementations around the world. The book's in 16 languages around the world. So we drew on a lot of experience of realizing what may sound like an oversimplification, but honestly, I think it's just insight that there are four principles that are simple to understand, but they're really hard to do. <laughs> That's why we call them disciplines. But when those four principles are implemented, they have the capacity to dramatically increase the level of results. And if you don't mind, I'll just say them real fast. The first one is about focus, about deciding what really matters most in an organization and giving that disproportionate energy and attention. The second is about leverage. It's about finding a way to work smarter rather than harder, because harder is such a finite way to lead a team. How many times can you go back to your team and say, I need you to just give me a little more this week before they all say, I need to find a new job this week, boss. Uh, so finding your leverage, finding the few things that really drive the outcome you want, that's number two. Number three is a discipline of engagement. How do you create a sense of energy and spirit and fun and winning around the achievement of a goal? We do that by creating a compelling scoreboard that people can take real ownership of. And then last of all, you create a cadence of accountability. Every single week, you set up the environment where everybody on the team is not only accountable to their leader, they're accountable to each other. So I know I said them really fast, focus, leverage, engagement, and accountability, but those four things together have proven to be a result that huge corporations all the way to small businesses have used all over the world to have significant increases in their results and in the level of engagement they've had. So it's a great honor to be able to represent that book to your listeners today. Thank you so much. Can you share some of your client success stories? Yeah, I'll give you one. And Sarah, maybe you'd be thinking of a second one. But I'll tell you one of the ones that is most near and dear to us. We've, we just finished the Find Your Fire program with a group of people somewhere between, say, 25 and 35 who are in the telemedicine business. I don't know if there's ever been a com combination of terms that was more challenging. But if you say tele, like virtual, and medicine, meaning really matters, especially if I'm sick, and you put those things together to try to offer an, a high-class, excellent service, you're really talking about something that's difficult. It's challenging. It's hard to do. It's fraught with a lot of disadvantages than it would be if you were always meeting with people face-to-face. -face. So one of the things we help this team do is use the Find Your Fire program to reach all the way down to their own sense of purpose. In other words, when you're dealing with a patient on the phone or on the Zoom, you're not just having a professional transaction. 
you are helping a person and you're probably helping a person sometimes in a moment of their greatest vulnerability or their greatest need. When we're not, we need help. <laughs> and we want to be, we want to interact with people who we feel care about us. So in other words, we help this team through the Find Your Fire program to dig down into their sense of purpose as individuals. And then through that, we hope to expand that out into their sense of purpose as a team. So that when things get hard or they get challenging or you're tired, you don't just think of work as being work. When is this work over so I can go home and relax? You think of it as I'm doing something here that really matters and I want to do it well. I want to do it to the very best of my ability. And I want to help this person in a time when maybe they need the kind of help I can provide in the best way. So you might think it comes with the job. You don't go into telemedicine saying they're just transactions. It's like selling shoes. I'm sure you don't do that. But I guarantee you there are times when you forget that you're dealing with a person, not just a problem. And so the digging into their purpose using the Find Your Fire program was really a critical element in helping them get reignited about the importance of what they were doing every day. I love that so much. Just to tell you that too, we've got a free quiz that we offer for people to see where they are on their job satisfaction scale. We've got a certain group of people that know it's time for a change and urgently need to make that change. And we've got a certain percentage of people who really are in a good spot for now. And then there's this large percentage that's in the middle. So those are my favorite clients to work with. The people who are um, getting through each day, getting through each week. My job is okay. It's not great. My boss is okay. The pay is okay. Everything's copacetic, but it doesn't light my soul on fire. For a lot of people, I'm on the older end of the millennial spectrum. And for a lot of us, I feel like we got out of college. It was 2008, 2009, it was incredibly hard to find a job as a new graduate. So we found anything we could at that time. And then in almost a blink of an eye, 10 years goes by when you start to, to feel like, wow, was I really intentional with this choice? Or is this just how things have ended up? And am I going to spend the next 10 years doing that same thing? Or, or am I going to try and find something that really brings me to life that I'm excited to get up and do every day that, that I really feel like brings out my talents and really appreciates all of the things that I bring to the table. So it's people like that where they're just okay and not really convinced that does anybody really love their job? Is anyone really happy at work? The answer is yes. And the answer is yes for each one of those people. It's just about really digging in and finding out what that is and then helping them get there. It's not just about the information, but about the really customized tactical plan. And to see those people achieve those things and the people that come back six months later or a year later and say, I had no idea that life could be like this. I had no idea that work could be like this. I've never felt this way before. I have new energy. I'm more engaged, not only at work, but in my partnerships and my friendships as a parent, all of those things. That's what just makes it incredibly rewarding. And what I feel like is the best work in the world. So I like to ask my guests two deep questions. I feel like it kind of highlights your why. And the first one is, what is your truth has gotten you this far in your journey? Do you want to go first or you want me to? Go ahead, go first. Okay. <laughs> I, I love this question. And you, when you're on Amy's podcast, you have to gear up for the A level of questions. You, you don't get any <laughs> softballs from you. And lots of people don't do that, Amy. So it it's makes it a real pleasure to be here. So the greatest truth that has gotten you this far, right? I believe this with all my heart, Amy is that if you can dedicate 
the, if you can find the intersection of the thing that you are truly passionate about and the thing the world needs the most, if you can find the place where those two things intersect, you have, you've, you're very likely to have found your own purpose. You combine the thing you would do if money were no object, you would do it anyway. You would do it because you love it. You lose all sense of time when you're doing it. You're at home watching Netflix, but you have a notebook where you're writing down ideas for things you want to do tomorrow and you want to find a better way to, to provide a greater service. If you've got that kind of drive and it's toward something that people really need, that really helps, that makes a contribution. It may make you money as well. <laughs> we're big fans of financial abundance. I hope you are. I hope everybody is. But financial abundance as a purpose doesn't usually hold up across the journey of a lifetime. Yeah. Making a difference holds up for a long time. And then as it turns out, people who have great passion for something that a lot of people need, find helpful as a byproduct, often have financial abundance to go with that. So finding that, finding the intersection between what you love to do and what people need the most, that's a great truth that I've lived most of my life by. Yeah, and it's funny. My message, I think, is going to be very similar, but delivered in a slightly different way. And mine really comes back to reciprocity. Um, so there's a great Maya Angelou quite quote that says, don't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. Be ready to give something back. And I think that's such an important truth. And it's such an important thing to continue to focus on. So whether that's being the leader that you wish you had when you were younger or being the team member that you wish you had, and remembering to continue to give back and continue to lift other people up and be a mentor and help other folks along the way. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out on your journey, what would it be? Yeah, I'll start with this one if you like. I love this question and I feel like there are lots of different answers for this, but one I would like to highlight is to stay curious. So I think it's really easy to take a certain phase of your life or a certain amount of years, especially when you're young, and to think that, to extrapolate this out for the foreseeable future, to think that because things are this way today, they're going to continue to be this way indefinitely. And what a laughable thing, right, as you get older and realize that it's just not how life works. I would encourage my younger self to stay curious and to not think of things, whatever they are, whether it's incredibly good or incredibly challenging as permanent and to continue to ask the questions and continue to push forward and continue to find whatever that next chapter is for you by learning and gaining all of that knowledge. Each chapter, each year gives you more information that builds on the next chapter for the next year. And mine is similar, but different. And probably where Sarah and I are in life, this is representative of that. But for me, it would be to say to my younger self to remember that there are signs everywhere and you trust yourself to follow them. In my own life, Amy, and I bet you've got a story that's even more compelling than ours. I've made a bunch of pivots and they were pivots that didn't look logical to all my friends. Almost everybody expects you to your career path to be linear and incremental. Whatever you started as, you're welcome to advance that, go and stay with it but they get disturbed if you pivot. <laughs> and then my journey included a whole bunch of pivots, but every one of those pivots was supported by one way or another. I hope it's all right for me to say the universe giving me a signal, a conversation or a book I read or a mentor who gave me some advice or an experience that I had of a great boss or maybe a not a great boss. They were all signs. And 
sometimes I followed the signs. I was courageous. I went with them. Other times I didn't. I'd be afraid and I'd hold back. But I can tell you this, every time I held back, I wish I hadn't. And every time I didn't hold back, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I followed those signs. I'm glad I, I had faith in myself that it would work out if I felt this was the right thing to do. And it's especially the case for me going from being a CEO of a technology company to being an author and a speaker, a consultant. That was a big pivot for me to do that. And it turned my life upside down from a logistical standpoint, doing all kinds of different things and, and learning how to write a book and learning how to speak. I get 500 speeches in 20 countries. Totally became a different skill set. But that started the greatest chapter of my whole professional life, had I not made that pivot. And I only made that pivot because I felt a calling. I felt the signs were there that it was time for me to do something different. So I'm being a little preachy. I hope it doesn't sound that way, but I'm just wishing everybody would hear this message to follow the signs, trust yourself, be courageous, take some risk, make them intelligent risks. Yeah, but take some risk. Don't just follow a straight incremental linear path and then wake up one day and say, I can't believe I spent my whole life doing that. I, I never meant to do this. Sarah and I coach people one-on-one -on -one every day, Amy, who say, I never meant to be a doctor. I didn't set out to be a lawyer. I, and I'm not picking on doctors and lawyers. I'm just saying after a long period of education and professional experience, they end up saying, I, I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I'd done something else. We don't want you to end up there. We don't want you to end up in our coaching office saying, oh my gosh, I've wasted 20 years. We want you to say, I figured it out early and I followed the right signs. So that's a little bit long-winded. I apologize, Amy, but a message I have a lot of passion around. Listen yeah. for the signs and have the faith to follow them. It makes me think of that quote I heard. I'm not sure who said this, but it was, don't focus on if it's hard or if it's difficult or if it's going to be a struggle. Focus on, is it worth it? Great question. It's actually the ultimate question, isn't it? When you're coaching anybody to say what the thing you're pondering, the thing you're about to set out to do, is it worth it? Meaning when you get to the end and look back, will you say, I'm glad I did it? I think you're right. I think it's a powerful question to ask ourselves. Yeah. What a great message that can be applied in so many different ways. We've a lot on professional fulfillment, but you just said you could really take and put that into your own health or your partnerships or anything, you could take that statement, really apply that across the board in, in so many aspects of your life. So great quote. Yeah, definitely. So if there are people that are listening and they would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a website that's chooseyourlife.jimhewling.com. On that website, you'll find lots of different things. You'll find our Find Your Fire program that we offer both to individuals and to leaders of teams. You also find a bunch of free resources. So anything that you might find valuable, feel free to jump onto that. You'll find that quiz that I mentioned a little bit earlier as well. Also, you'll have the opportunity to join our email list. So if you would like periodic updates, quotes that we find inspirational, special messages from us every once in a while, feel free to subscribe there. We're also on all social media platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And the best way to find us there is either at Jim Hewling or at the Choose Your Life pages. Oh, we try to put something out every day on both of those pages. And we love to hear from you guys. So any likes, comments, shares, feedback, we love to know what you guys are thinking. So please feel free to jump on into the conversation with us anytime. Perfect. And I'll put those links down below. Jim and Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. This it's was a real, real pleasure. Honor. 
Yeah, it's it definitely- is a real honor. And we're, we think of you as a friend, Amy. So we hope our paths will cross again somewhere soon in the future. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. And if you're listening and you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.